live from the Bunkhouse Saloon in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Bunkhouse! about because David Himmel, the co-editor of Literate Ape in Chicago, we realize that we've hit a place in our history as a country where we don't know how to argue anymore. We've, we've gotten so focused, and, and we can blame Facebook, but it's, you gotta remember, Facebook is us. So it's not the tool's fault, it's our fucking fault. And we've lost, I mean, the, the, the point is, I could go out on the strip, or I could go on Fremont Street, and I could just mention to any random stranger that Star Wars was really made for 12-year-old boys. And within minutes, someone's going to take a knife to my fucking throat, because this is where we, at, we, we, where we are at when it comes to arguing. We don't know how to do it anymore. And so, Bug House... It comes from, in 1911, in Washington Square Park in Chicago, Illinois, radicals, visionaries, anarchists would get up on soap boxes, literal boxes that were sold with soap, and they would stand in the park and they would argue the issues of the day. And it was called, because they were all so outside of the mainstream, it was called Bug House Square, Bug House being a pejorative for a mental hospital. Well, in 1950s, somewhere in 1952, Studs Terkel, if you don't know who Studs Terkel is, you should look him up, but he was an, a venerated Chicago journalist. He decided that we were kind of in a place in the country where we, were not, where we weren't really able to argue about real issues anymore, so he reinvigorated Bug House Square in Washington Square Park. Well, in 2019, we're back to that same fucking place where we can't argue and so David and I decided, well, we don't want to go to Buckhouse Square and get a, a soapbox, so let's do a show. Because that's what you do in 2019. You do a show, you know? And so that's what Bug House is about. Bug House is about taking an opportunity to actually debate in a persuasive way issues that we may not want to talk about but are probably important, right? Now here, I'll give you the rules first. Yes, a lot of Live Lit in Chicago has the audience vote for the winners and things like this. And that is democracy in action. But we do not live in a democracy. And some, like the Moth, use teams of judges, which is representative democracy. But we don't live in a representative democracy. So for Bug House, we recognize that we live in an oligarchy and we have one judge who decides for everyone. And that one judge tonight, because he is the owner of the building, is Mr. Ryan Party. Give him a hand. Very simple. Now here's how it's gonna work. We have six writers. Now, it, it, one of the things is the tagline of the show is the art of the dialectic. And that is basically from my high school debate days that none of the writers tonight got to choose the topic they were debating, 
nor the side of the topic they were debating. I assigned it. They may, may or may not agree at all with what they're actually saying, but my belief is, from my high school debate days, is that if you can effectively argue a position you disagree with, you can more effectively argue your own position. That's the idea. So we're gonna have three topics. One, round one will be tattoos. Are they art or are they just trashy? Okay? Second topic, second round, will be political correctness. Is it progress or regress? And the third topic will be, we, I mentioned it, social media. Has it made us more narcissistic or less narcissistic? So the question becomes, is it an artistic expression or is it just fucking a trashy following of a trend? To debate this topic, ladies and gentlemen, from Chicago, Illinois, recently residing in Las Vegas, Illinois, a poet. Las Vegas, Illinois. Las Vegas, Illinois. Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm get, it's been two months, man. A poet. A rock star, a drummer, a badass. Ladies and gentlemen, Dana German. And on the other side of the issue, a brilliant man, a guitar player, and the author of the literate column, American Shithole. Yes, he minds the Trump administration so you don't have to. Eric Wilson, give him a hand. Dana German. Hi, everyone. Okay, so gauging the room, for the sake of the podcast, please clap. How many of you have a tattoo? Okay, how many of you have more than one? We got a few. Does your partner have a tattoo? Couple. How many people have a tattoo that you don't like? Oh, oh no. How many of you don't yet have a tattoo but want or are conceptualizing one? Anybody? Oh, we got a couple. That's pretty cool. So, super. Anyway, either way, everyone in the room has an opinion about tattoos. This is great. Every single world culture definitely has an opinion about tattoos. And I'm pretty sure now, within American culture, they are a trend imbued with style that is here to stay for two very good reasons. Tattoos are, one, highly customizable, and two, highly personal. Highly personal. Tattoos have the ability to make having a body more interesting. Who doesn't want that? People who have the occasion to practice and apply this craft, this perception-defying and compositionally profound work, tattooing, they aren't called trashists. They're called artists, tattoo artists. Though tattoo, those who are heavily tattooed may even refer to themselves as a tattoo collector. 
much like an art collector would refer to themselves as the same. Personally, although I wouldn't go so far as to call myself a tattoo collector, my smattering's quite modest, I might say I have some tattoos that are more like artistically placed more than anything. They also represent in a condensed way my personal influences that I take from other forms of art. For example, a lot of people ask me about this too, this is not a cover-up, this black square that I have um, on my right shoulder takes a cue in part from uh, the 1913 Russian suprematist artist Kazimir Malevich and his philosophies concerning the end of painting. This is deep, right? That's real deep. So over and over, this argument is just devastatingly winnable from this vantage every single time due to in part to the subjectivity. Highbrow, lowbrow, the lowest brow, even trash is art. So I heard a story once about a guy who married a college pal of mine and he would go consistently to his favorite artist and say, smash me up with the grossest thing you can think of. And consequently, he has work depicting anything and everything necrophilic and lots of expressions of flying bodily fluids and a whole lot of fake wounds on his personal flesh pile. Completely unique walking comic strip right out of the Peter Jackson flick Dead Alive, right? This guy. As nasty as that sounds, both artist and canvas are to be esteemed for not only the creative effort but the time, it takes a lot of time to do this. Commitment of that nature requires vision, and not to mention pain tolerance. Lots of pain tolerance, like it just commands my awe. So straight up, tattoos are always compelling. There's no one absolute right way to do it, which speaks to the mutability of the form. They're just not going away. From across the spectrum of mediums, artists can agree, no matter what your art is, the longer you spend time with your work developing, perfecting, streamlining, the longer your audience will stay with that work to observe it and appreciate it. Yet in contradiction, even work done poorly is worth investigating. That's because there's always a story. Anyone with a tattoo knows that the meanings, the associations, the story, evolves over time. It goes with you, and it grows with you. So, whether or not you have tattoos, we ask each other about our tattoos all the time. Uh, not everyone's crazy about that, like I mentioned before, they're personal, but I encourage you tonight to talk to a stranger with tattoos as a jumping off point. Uh, without getting deadpan philosophical, it's kind of like inquiring about the modes and depths to which your fellow woman thinks. I hope, too, that everyone here has had the occasion to see a stunning piece of work and go, that's awesome! So for the takeaway here, please remember, trash imitates art, not the other way around. Long live the beauty of ink. Thank you. German, give her a hand. And now for the counterpoint, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Wilson. Come on. Right. I'm here to give you the facts. And the facts are, the tattoos are trashy. 
Now, if you'd asked me when I was a kid in the 70s who had tattoos, I would have honestly replied, biker gangs, veterans, Charlie Manson. It's the only people I saw with tattoos when I was 10 years old. Murderers, basically. And back then, we were afraid of people with tattoos, and rightly fucking so. They'd all done hard time. Tattoos were uncommon in middle America. My parents didn't have tattoos. My, my friend's parents didn't have tattoos. Our grandparents didn't have tattoos, unless they got them in Germany. And by the late 80s, though, when I was a teen, musicians were steeped in ink. And that was the turning point where the rest of America blindly followed. Now, <clears throat> I know that we've already had a show of hands, but uh, am I the only person in this room that does not have a tattoo? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I am surprised. But still, very prevalent, very few of us. Um, and that's pretty much what I thought was going to happen. Now, consider this. In our entire lives, none of us have ever heard anyone say, oh, now that tattoo right there, oh, that's classy. <laughs> it doesn't fucking happen. You've never heard it. All right? Now think about that for a second. And for the purpose of this argument, we will forgo the definitions of trashy and classy and instead consider them to be roughly on the opposite ends of the spectrum. So every modern musician fucking covered head to toe in tattoos. The more tattoos they have, typically the worse their music is. Adam Levine, is it Levine or Levine? Sure. Levine from, from Moron 5? Was it Moron 5? Whatever that fucking band is. Adam, more songwriting, less inky, okay? Seriously, did you see the Super Bowl halftime show? Guy's got, he's probably got a fucking tattooed dick. And, <laughs> and his music sucks, all right. But a, a bit of history on tattoos from Wikipedia. Uh, the oldest discovery of tattooed human skin to date is found on the body of Otzi the Iceman, uh, dating to between 3370 and 3100 BC. What you may not know is that Otzi was a fucking moron that froze to death. So. <laughs> He started it all off. The popularity of modern Western tattooing owes its origins in large part to Captain James Cook's voyages to the South Pacific in the 1770s. He was later murdered in Hawaii, probably for bad-mouthing their trashy tattoos. And here we are today, where every fucking barista has a full sleeve like the fucking Yakuza. That's why the Yakuza got face tats. They were tired of people asking them for coffee. <laughs> They're killers. They don't fetch drinks. They piss them off. Americans, unfortunately, are a bunch of pop culture teat-suckling imbeciles that will glom onto anything the zeitgeist has before them without thought or reason. And now, everyone thinks their tattoos are awesome and everyone has to have one. You know whose tattoo isn't awesome? Jeff's from accounting. <laughs> Check out my new tat. Oh. Uh, what's that ancient Chinese character mean, Jeff? Oh, does it? <laughs> I think it means douchebag. Also, what's the point if I can't see it? It's under your shirt, Jeff. Unless we radically overhaul Casual Friday, Jeff, no one is ever going to come see that tattoo. Not with that personality you've got. The people that had tattoos like that 2,000 years ago wore thongs made out of bamboo, Jeff. Do you have a bamboo thong, Jeff? All right. I'm not even going to have the time to get into face, neck, and hand tattoos, but you know what those, those tattoos are? They're reverse resumes. 
Neck, neck, hand, and face tattoos work just like a resume, only in reverse. Let me explain. Any face tat means your work experience equals none. A misspelled neck tattoo, that means poor communication skills. Flexibility, adaptability, nothing screams I have none of this like something that can't be washed off your hands. Why can't you get that dream job? Let me count the ways. However, if you have all three and you're not the fucking Yakuza, apparently you can still get a job as a school bus driver. Who am I kidding? We probably let the Yakuza drive our kids to school here. And then there's grandma tattoos. Now go ahead. I want everybody, if you can, just picture a grandma with a tattoo. Everybody got one? Got one in your head? All right. Was she smoking a cigarette? Was it filterless? Was it out of a hole in her neck? Was, was trachy grandma too far? All right. Trachy grandma's too far. But that's a tattoo image for a grandma right there. I mean, I see it every time I walk in a casino in this town. So do you. Even the classy ones, you know. Uh, you never think grandma would tattoo and then conjure up an image of an elderly lady bathed in warm light with the glow of the holiday season in the air and she's knitting a red sweater for Timmy with a big happy puppy on the front. No, tattooed grandma is butchering bunnies out in the back. Cigarette just hanging, dangling out of the mouth. Finally, as I close here, for some Americans, tattoos are just advertisements for people to talk about their fucking lives which drives me nuts. I can't remember the last time I complimented a tattoo because every time I do, this is what I get. Oh, you like it? Have a seat, let me tell you about its origin story. <laughs> Fucking Christ. My favorite tattoos with stories though, in fairness, are the ones that kinda look like someone. You can really fuck with people when they get other people's faces tattooed on them. Check out my tat of my mom. Uh, you never told me your mother was a Catherine Hepburn impersonator, Jess. <laughs> She's 53. <laughs> well, she should get that checked out. Uh, the, the facts are the tattoos are trashy. You trashy ass bitches. Now, thank you, and please, from the heart, enjoy the next time you give somebody a lap dance. Here you go. Alright, we have an opportunity for three questions from our audience. Does anybody have a question for either Dana or Eric? Anybody? If you don't have any questions, that's okay too. Wow, they were so decisive. Alright, that's fine. Wow. No questions? Nobody wants to talk to me. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk to either of you. Alright, so Ryan. Without the benefit of having any audience questions, you've heard the two sides. Who wins the debate? It, uh, it was a very, a very difficult decision. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, I'm sure Eric, Eric won. Eric Wilson wins the round. Is political correctness a force of progress or a force of regress? Debating this for you tonight is myself and Michael Burson. Give him a hand. Come on up. Political correctness. Yeah. 
Well, let me ask you guys something. Anyone here ever tell a dirty joke? Like in, when you were in high school or something like that? Anybody? Sure, we all have, right? Now, imagine if today you're at your job and your boss comes up to you and says, we need to have a talk. Yeah, boss, what's, what, what's going on? Well, it turns out that um, when you were a sophomore in high school, yeah, you said some really bad things. So we gotta let you go. Does that make any sense to anybody? Doesn't to me. And I think what the thing is is that political correctness does a few things that are very negative. First of all, I could read that. <laughs> First of all, political correctness takes away perspective. We seem to have lost perspective in this country about things. The example I want to use is something that's happening right now in the world, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Possibly running for president. We'll see if he does or not. But he's been in the public eye for decades. And yeah, he's a touchy-feely kind of person. He always has been. He puts his hands on people's shoulders to, you know, in his words, to, you know, offer them support. Like, go for it. Good for you. That kind of a thing. He hugs and kisses a lot of people, women and men. Too much, perhaps, but, you know. And yeah, that hair smelling thing, okay, that's a little bit ew, but you know, that's fine. However, because of this, there are people on the right who are saying that he is now unfit to be president because he hugs people, because he kisses people, because he touches people. And you know who he's getting a lot of grief from? Trump, with no sense of irony whatsoever. None whatsoever. Everybody on the right is screaming, yeah, well, look what he does to those women. Oh, these women are now coming out and accusing him of things. And yes, they are accusing him of things that maybe they felt uncomfortable about. But is it really disqualifying when on one hand somebody's giving you a hug that you maybe didn't want versus, oh, I don't know, 20 or so women coming out and accusing you of sexual assault? Does that really make sense to anybody? We are losing perspective. He, he, you know, Trump has bragged about it. We got it on tape and all that stuff. Joe Biden, when he started hearing people coming out and saying, you know, they were uncomfortable, what did he do? He immediately got up and said, you know what? I hear you and I'm listening and I'm gonna change. And I've learned from this experience. On the other side, what did Trump do? They're all lies. Everyone's a liar. Everyone's a liar. I'm the only person that tells the truth ever. And we all know that's not true, so anyway. But I think that it's the thing is that and now Trump is actually mocking Joe Biden openly. He's tweeting, you know, saying, welcome back, Joe, good for you, with a weird video or something like that. But I think it just amazes me how the perspective of it is lost. You compare one person who his entire life been a public figure, been a public servant, helping people, doing things for people, not 100% great, you know, a few things in his past are not so hot, but nothing like what Trump has done. But yet everyone on the right is screaming for Joe Biden to don't even, don't even announce. Don't run, because you're bad, because you hugged somebody. That doesn't make any sense to me. Another, uh, uh, sorry. Oh, and there's another thing. I think political correctness has turned us, turned people into outraged people. 
everybody's so angry about small things. I was, okay, I'll give you a good example. My mother, my mother works at an employment agency filling temp and permanent positions, mostly for light industrial. Light industrial being factory work, construction work, that kind of a thing. I was talking to her the other day, and she told me that she cannot ask a person, can you lift 50 pounds? She's been told by her bosses and everybody else, you can't ask that. You cannot ask that question. Nobody ever told her why. But I would imagine that I guess what must have happened was that one day there was a person trying to get a job. They're sitting at the desk and the person behind the desk goes, yeah, okay, I got your resume here. Looks like uh, you got some experience in construction. Great. Uh, can you lift 50 pounds? What? Uh, can, can you lift 50 pounds? How dare you? How dare you ask such a question of me? How, that's, I can't believe you would ask me something like that. Well, uh, it, well, excuse me, but the position requires it, so if so, would you be able to lift 50 pounds? Oh, oh, well, if the position requires it, then yeah, I can lift 50 pounds. Sure. Okay. Okay, now what if the position didn't require that? Don't you dare ask me that! It just doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense why people have to get angry over the way a question like that is worded. Now, I've been applying for jobs lately, and I've seen that online. Can, must be able to lift up to 50 pounds. Okay, does that make me angry? Does it make me think, oh no, manual labor? It doesn't, nothing like that. It just makes me think, why do people have to be overly sensitive about straightforward questions? Another example of the outrage thing is I was reading an article that apparently millennials are finding Seinfeld, the show, not the guy, very offensive. They mentioned, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, you know, the soup Nazi. They think it's offensive because, oh, because the Holocaust was a terrible thing, which it was. I'm Jewish, I'm okay with it. Uh, in that sense, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not okay with it. Okay with saying that. Okay? <laughs> he was Jewish for a while, too. But anyway, uh, I suppose that should have been on the paper. But anyway. <laughs> okay. So, but I just find it amazing that, that there are people that are wasting their lives, wasting their time, going back and watching old TV shows and finding offense. Why? What's the point? What, how does it better your life to watch something that was made 20 years ago and decide, oh, I'm offended by that? Okay, and then what? You gonna protest? I don't know. I wouldn't. That's just me. All right, I got the ding, so either my room's ready or I need to wrap up here. So I do, I do want to wrap up. I want to wrap up um, with actually just a couple of quick quotes from a couple of great, great philosophers. First philosopher, the great philosopher Carlin. This is what George Carlin said about it. Political correctness is America's newest form of intolerance, and it is especially pernicious because it comes disguised as tolerance. It presents its, itself as fairness, yet attempts to restrict and control people's language with strict codes and rigid rules. I'm not sure that's the way to fight discrimination. I'm not sure silencing people or forcing them to alter their speech is the best method for solving these problems that go so much deeper than speech. The impulse behind political correctness is a good one, but like every good impulse in America, it has to be grotesquely distorted beyond usefulness. And one more from the philosopher Williams. 
Joke them if you can't take a fuck. Thank you. There you go. All right, Mike Burst, give him a hand. I was 13 years old in 1979. My mother had been married a couple of times by then, and I had witnessed my first stepfather, Dennis Coley, routinely beat my mother with his fists, with a belt, with a cast iron skillet. In terms of toxic masculine behavior, I had a front row seat to the freak show. One would think that being audience to that would have had an effect. Sherry Stevens was a girl that lived down the road from us. She was in my eighth grade class out in the tiny country school in the middle of where are we again, Kansas? At first we were friends, but like so many adolescent things, I said something to her or she said something to me or something was misinterpreted. I honestly can't remember how we became enemies, but enemies we became. The trouble lie in the fact that we lived on the same stretch of country road and we had to ride the bus together to school every morning. We had to wait for it or we weren't getting to school that day. So we were both out on the cross section of dirt roads every morning at 6.30 a.m. I threw rocks at her most mornings. I don't know why. I mean, it was a thing she and I did every morning. She would insult me in some way or I'd call her fat. She'd call me stupid. I'd start to fling rocks at her. She was six inches taller than I was and would chase me, but I was fast. So I'd run, taunting her and throwing gravel at her as I bolted from one side of the road to the next. Once in a while, she'd catch me and pummel my stupid boy head, which meant that the next day I had to come up with better insults and bigger rocks. Her mother witnessed this one day and immediately went to my mother to make it stop. My mother let me know that that behavior was unacceptable. To be fair, my tiny Spitfire mom didn't tell me this quite so politely. I pretty much had my ass handed to me for taunting a girl because of her weight and throwing rocks at her at the bus stop. As any 13-year-old boy would, I felt maligned and angry at Sherry. She had gotten me in trouble. It was her fault. She called me stupid and she laughed at my clothes. She was so fat and I hated her guts. It was, it was her fault that my mother had read me the riot act and I got grounded for doing nothing wrong. <laughs> One day at the bus stop, I restrained myself from taking my unfocused masculine rage out on our neighbor. And I came home proud of myself. I told my mother that I had not thrown any rocks at Sherry that morning. And all I got was a nod. Can it be ungrounded? I'll never forget what she said in response to that. Donald, you don't get rewarded for not doing something you know is wrong. Your reward is that you're a better human being because you didn't bully that girl. Your reward is that you weren't an awful person this morning. Make not doing the wrong thing a habit, and you might just not be killed by your mother before you graduate eighth grade. Your reward is being allowed to live. I'd love to say that that was the moment of clarity required to see the error of my ways, my boys will be boys attitude, but I'd be lying. It took me years to figure this out, but it's, it all started with my mother's simple delights. There's the light. 
my mother's simple and brutal corrective on my language and actions. I'd like to believe that due to this ass-handing that I'm just a bit more evolved, just a bit better as a human, just a bit more effective as a member of the larger collective known as society. Now, prior to my evolution and soon after my mother allowing me to live, I was in high school and there were dances to go to. My mother, as a young woman, grew up as a heavy girl. She placed upon me the one rule, and this is true, required to allow me to go to these dances, you have to take a fat girl. She believed that those girls needed something and someone to take them to dances because no one ever took her to dances when she was that age, so I did. The result was that, given my ill-equipped ability to set boundaries or communicate the complexities of this demand of my mother, throughout my early high school days, I broke a lot of hearts for no other reason than I dated girls I wasn't interested in romantically, but the girls didn't know that. Political correctness, there was a point to all that, <laughs> is society's way of stopping the children from throwing rocks at one another for no other reason than that there are rocks and they can be thrown. Sure, like my mom's dance rule, it can be taken too far, creating misunderstandings and confusion and a few broken hearts. The corrective, however, is wholly a good thing for all of us. The N-word is just a rock to throw at someone you don't like. Trigger warnings? Just a nicer way to protect people with a higher sensitivity to rocks. Consent? Don't throw rocks unless someone says you can throw rocks. The concept of a PC culture has been demonized in part, to, part due to some of the you have to take that fat girl to the dances excess in the few cases, but in, the, in his heart, is no more or less than society telling you to stop throwing rocks at each other, and especially at the kids at the bus stop who have had rocks thrown at them most of their lives. It's a simple corrective. I understand that adults do not like to be corrected, and in a society where the very worst thing in the world is to be wrong, to have made a mistake and have to own it, a guide for how to be better people is hard to swallow. We're not forgiving of people admitting they blew it, so sometimes the corrective needs to be guidance rather than the bludgeon of my mother. But not saying the N-word or calling someone retarded or claiming that's gay isn't really enough. As my mom tells us, you don't get rewarded for not doing something you know is wrong. Your reward is that you were a better human being because you didn't bully someone. Your reward is that you weren't an awful person today. Make not doing the wrong thing a habit. Your reward is being allowed to live with the rest of us. And who doesn't want to live in a world where we don't throw rocks at each other? Thank you. Have any questions from the audience for either myself or Mr. Burson? Got a question here. Yes, bring it up. Did you and Sherry have sex? <laughs> no. Did the question is, did Sherry and I have sex? Sherry and I never had sex, but we are Facebook friends today. <laughs> that is true. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Any other questions? I have a question for Michael. Oh. For Michael Burson. Yeah. So, what's yeah. something you are raged out about? that others don't seem to care about at all. Okay. Well, 
two things that are sort of in the similar subject. BMW drivers <laughs> drive me fucking nuts. And people who are going to make a left turn, and for some reason, riders are going to make the left turn, they kind of go out this way as though the turn ratio of their car can't handle a 90-degree turn. That drives me fucking crazy. I see it happen all the time, so therefore I think nobody else gives a shit. Okay? There you go. One more. There's traffic. One more question. Anybody? All right, Ryan, you've what heard the two. Prius drivers? What about Prius drivers? Yeah, because I drive a Prius. Bring it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with Prius drivers. All right, there you go. That's a good answer. Good answer. All right, Ryan Party, you have heard the debate. You have heard the questions and answers. Who won this round? I definitely see, uh, Michael, that uh, the Biden argument is kind of ridiculous right now, and I feel you, but Don, you won the argument. Thank you very much. All right. Well done. You know, <laughs> I don't actually have to pick a card because I couldn't give myself money anyway because it belongs to Litter Day. Give Michael a hand. Yes. Eric Lewin. Okay. I really need to pee right now. Thank you. How about a hand for everybody who's come up here? Give him a little sugar. Thank you, Don. Um, so I can't touch anything. Nope. Okay. Um, except your hearts. Okay. <laughs> so social media has absolutely made me and everyone in here more narcissistic. Uh, just look at it very simply like this. There are more duck face selfies on Instagram in a single day than there are in the entirety of two Zoolander movies. <laughs> like, I'm so sexy on Instagram every day. And I think about, like, whatever I forgot already. I think about, um, like, people just want attention. They'll post anything on social media. A friend of mine posted the other day that he, he, you know, that he went to Fatburger for the first time in a long time, and he sharted a little bit <laughs> after he had his Fatburger, but didn't shit his pants. Hashtag winning. This was, like, on Facebook. Um, that's not something I would have posted, but that's what we do. Um, incidentally, why do all Instagram models or attractive women post sexy photos uh, or something maybe gross, like they're off shitting in the woods somewhere or something like that? Because they want attention, and that's the point, is that it's a, a sort of cyclical validation of all of our own narcissism. I mean, like, when people put um, videos online, like, I haven't heard anyone be like, hey, look at this wonderful piece of art that I've curated, and, you know, and it'll pop up, and it'll look like they had a seizure when they videoed. It's like this, like, you know, it looks like it's this shaky cam or something, like it was in the back of a porn limo in the 70s. I don't even know. It's somebody at a bus stop or something. Like, that's what all these videos are. So it's just this shit 
that we want to keep pumping out because all that matters is content and attention to oneself. It, it, quality hardly matters anymore. Um, but I'm complicit in this. Uh, a friend of mine, um, if he pronounces one day that it's on Facebook, that it's time, the same friend, that it's time to shave his ass hair, <laughs> And if I'm driving, I will pull over, and I will like it, and I will share it, and then I'm already online, like, so I'm just fucked, you know? I'm scrolling, like, I'm looking at his photos, I'm looking at his friend's photos, his friend's friends, his friend's friend's mailman, and, like, his ass hair. <laughs> it's just on and on like this, but they'll do the same for me. Once again, validating one another's reciprocal narcissism. <laughs> but um, we've gotten to a point where we just like want what we want, when we want it, and that's it. Even if it's super obvious and we totally don't need it, like, there's an app for how many steps you take, okay? I guess there's a modicum of health, like, what a benefit. I don't know. Do you guys have iBang? Instead of a total step count, it keeps a total stroke count. And instead of, like, a heart monitor with warning beeps, it's just a voice that screams out, you're in the red, pull out. Pull out. It tracks your data and rates your performance. Like, you finish in 16 seconds, you piece of shit. It posts it online and shares it on Facebook. Like, Eric's still under 30 seconds. Because we just want these things. I don't know. Um, Look, if Shimmy says that social media brings us together, then fucking I, I would rather be apart. <laughs> like, I was on Facebook recently, and I was getting into this sort of, this whole, like, online argument with this person. It was going back and forth. It was getting political. It was all heated and shit. I didn't even know who this was. Like, I finally looked up his profile, and it said that Robbie is excited to graduate ninth grade this year. <laughs> Newark Middle School will miss him. And, and I thought, that's my own narcissism, that I think that, like, I know what I'm talking about. I know as much as an eighth grade social studies, you know? Um, <laughs> I was at a... Uh, I had like a little tiff over a parking spot recently and this guy got out and screamed at me and called me a douche. And I almost, I swear, I almost wanted to be like, oh my God, thank you, man. Like, that is so nice of you to call me a douche to my face. Like, it's, it's refreshing. <laughs> There's, um... <laughs> We want what we want so much that there's, we've invented a new language for like, we've developed over millennia as humans the ability to communicate with one another in the most sophisticated ways using language to express our thoughts and, and feelings and opinions. And now we have to do that with dog ears and eggplants. <laughs> 
what the fuck? Like, we've even changed the, the alphabets. Like, it's literally, you have to learn. It's like flex bicep elf, 100% piece of shit. Now I know my emojis. <laughs> So to me, it's quite clear that social media has escalated. It's basically a digital dumpster fire, and it has absolutely exacerbated all, what is already a pretty common human attribute, that of being pretty narcissistic. But anyway, having said that, make sure to tweet me at Eric Lewin2, Instagram. <laughs> thank you very much. I'm Eric Lewin, thank you. Seven minutes. You heard Eric? Now for the counterpoint, Shimmy Hernandez! Does that work for you? Is that good? Yeah, it's good. All right. It's good, yes. All right. Oh, they're gone. Actually, I want to just first of all thank all my fans for coming. They're behind me. I paid them big for that, okay? <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Here's the thing. Um, I'll be honest with you guys about something, all right? Um, I like to always go a different way on things, the way my mind works. First of all, social media and all that stuff, I'm not even, first, that all started a long time ago. It's just easy access now. This is where it all started. Photos. See this? This is all photos of me. There's nobody else in there but me, okay? If you want to see them here, pass them around. I know how many are in there. There's five. Please. <laughs> don't, don't lose them. I need them back, right? That's where it all starts, right in your face. At least you don't have to see the person now, right? So no, I don't think it makes us more narcissists. No, I think we already were since the day we were born because we are taking photos while we're in the womb. So this shit was already started since day one. Now, I'm so in love with myself because I want to be, okay? And I said to myself, man, this has got to be on social media. Like, I have to spread myself around. I actually wasn't gonna come tonight, you know, but I was like, no, 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 they gotta see me. They gotta see this face. I gotta make an appearance, right? I love the outside so much that I said, I need to see how fine I am on the inside. You understand what I'm saying? So, I ended up getting an x-ray of my boob. <laughs> and that's a fine looking boob. This is really my boob. It's really, look, yeah. it's really my boob. It's really, here, you wanna take a look? Sorry, yeah. you can, it's my boob, don't touch, okay? It's still my boob. So, it hasn't changed. And I'll tell you why I am the way I am and why I love social media. Because in elementary school, eighth grade, I was picked on. They, hate, they talked about my smile, they said how ugly it was. They said, what is your name, Shimmy? That's stupid, what kind of name is that? But then when I went to, he's laughing because that should happen to you, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> now when I went to high school, freshman year, in high, freshman year in high school, it was like a whole new world because it opened up for me the doors. Everybody was like, wow, that's a cool name. Man, your smile is cool and all that. And that's when Shimmy was born. The narcissistic person was born. And I'm gonna stay that way because nobody else is gonna love me the way I love myself, right? That's true. And yes, I do believe, Eric, yes, social media does bring people together. 
And why not, right? Because some people don't want to be together and some people do. But there's, I think there's more people that do want to be together. And that's, you know, right. Oh, so let me tell you where, um, I didn't know what the word narcissistic meant. I can't even say it, okay? I didn't even know, I had to look it up. I'm Mexican, I'm from the hood. What do you want from me? What do you, you expect anything more, please, okay? Are you Latina? No. Oh, you're laughing because I thought you were, okay. I know, no, it's good, girl, laugh, right? But I know you got a social media, and I know you're, you got tons of pictures, like, that's it. I know, because you're a woman. We love that shit, right? So, um, narcissistic comes from a Greek myth guy named Narcissus, who saw himself, which I didn't know, who saw himself in the pond, and he was like, damn, you're fine, you're beautiful, you're perfect, right? That is badass. Like, that's how I feel. Because everybody judges you, and they look at you like, oh, look what she's wearing. Mm, you know, look what she's wearing, all that shit. So why not? Why not put it out there? Because, again, you have to love yourself. And nobody else would, right? There you go. So hold on, let me go back. Let me go. I'm, I'm reading so <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> so, um, all right, that's that. And don't get me wrong. I think that everybody right now should probably take out their phones and really take a photo of me. Come on, hurry up. I'm serious. Take a photo of me, let's go. And tag me, right? Because this means more likes for me, yes. right? Do it, yes. tag, look, take a photo, take a photo, <laughs> tag me, I'm not lying. My, and follow me on Instagram, which is you shimmy. Like a cool dance. Yeah, you want me to cool dance? Like, cool dance? With the glitter? Hey, if this jacket doesn't scream narcissism, then I don't know what, you know? Because it's all about me, right? So, okay, now tag me. See. What's your Insta? Uh, C-H-I-M-M-I-E. That's too fast. C-H-I-M-M-I-E. One thing I don't like about Instagram and Facebook is that they don't have the double like. I want a double like. Why can't I like that shit 10 times? I want to like it 10 times. That's what makes me mad about that. There's not enough. Believe it or not, I actually want to block some people on Facebook and Instagram, like, you know, friends, some family members and shit like that. But if I do that, that means that is one less like. And I'm not going on that road. I need it all. I want it all. Because I'm going to feed this ego to the day I die, bitches. Okay? I am. I am. Because nobody else is gonna. And she's laughing as hard as shit because she does it too. I mean, do you have Facebook and Instagram? You do? You, right here in front? No, no. Yeah, well, that's why she's not laughing. Because she's like, well, I don't give a shit. I don't like that stuff. I, I, I agree. I, I do think that... We are not narcissistic. We just have to love each other, right? And we have to show people because there's people out there that probably never got that love and now they're getting it through social media. And I think that's a great thing. And people are connecting through social media all across the world and can see each other. No matter if it's shit, no matter if it's good, no matter what it is, but it's all connection. Yes, we don't connect in person, which is sometimes it's better that way, you know? But you're still connecting no matter what. So if I'm a narcissistic for showing my ass off on Facebook, Instagram, then I'm gonna do it to the day I die. Narcissistic love, social media rules, yes. Okay. All right, yeah, Jimmy Hernandez. Come on up here, Eric. Do we have any questions from the audience for either Eric or Shimmy? Yes. Yes. I have one for Mr. Eric. Eric. So, okay, so you mentioned metrics a bunch. 
So if you can make your own social media site, Eric, and like bring back the quality, like what's missing? What what would you build? What would you add? Literate ape. It already exists. There you go. Uh, <laughs> ah, brand loyalty. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um. I don't think, I, I think the whole format is problematic. Um, I think that it's, the fact that you can scroll so quickly is like, it just creates a thing where you just want to see fortune cookies, you know? Uh, so you slow that down? Maybe? Yeah, it would probably slow that down. Maybe you have to um, make it harder for people. It's too easy. Okay. Yeah, if you're a lazy fuck, social media is perfect <laughs> for you. It's, okay. Yeah. All right, another question. Anybody? I got a question. Yeah. Eric, uh, would you say that the fact that women can make money off of just being hot on Instagram as a way that it isn't narcissistic that they're posting all these, like, duck face pictures, but the fact that they're trying to make that fucking cash? <laughs> what was the question? The question is, <laughs> is it narcissism that would women you, can make money? They is can make it, money, yeah. so it's not narcissism that they're posting these pictures. In the same way that Shima was saying, like, uh, you know, people are doing for other people, they're making cash money off of it. So right, right. you said it's not narcissism or it's just for themselves? Well, I would say that that debunks Shimmy's joy for the world argument. <laughs> it's more about joy and jerking off for, for men who can afford it. Yes. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's narcissistic. I would say it's getting that, that cash money. Okay. Yeah. All right. Any more questions? I have one. Yes. Where did Shimmy get that jacket? Oh, uh, I got this um, uh, in Town Square. Some guy bought it for me. That's how I know. Was it because he saw you on social media? Yes. There you go. He did. See? <laughs> All right, Ryan. You've heard the arguments. You've heard the question. All right, one more question. One more question. Bring it. Yeah. How yes, I would like to go about, on a date with you. How do you feel about how do you feel about all of the personal information of each individual in the world being owned by two or three corporations? How do you feel about all the information in the world being owned by two or three corporations? Well, if they got a problem with it, don't don't get on it. I don't have a problem with it. There you go. No problem. No, no. Don't be on it if you got a problem. No with problem. It. All right, Ryan. You've Thank heard you. the questions, you've heard the debate. I'm over here now. Who won? Where you at? I can't see shit. So. All right, there you are. Who won this debate, sir? Well, at some point early on, my mind started to drift. <laughs> I started thinking about the new tattoo I want. <laughs> then I thought, oh, you know, I voted against the woman in that round. And, oh, that was wrong. <laughs> It was the x-ray of my boob, is why you started drifting away. You didn't about that shit, weren't you? I tried to come back, but really I didn't know what your head, you know, what was, what, you know, where heads was, you know. Uh, let's give it to Shimmy. All right. Yeah. Oh, a boob. I'll show you guys boob. That is Bunkhouse. I hope you enjoyed it. Let's give all of our six performers a big hand. Um, if you are interested in doing the show, come talk to any one of us. Give us your email and we'll make sure that you get in the show. Thank you so much to Ryan and the Bunkhouse Saloon. Give them a big hand. It's a great venue and a great part of town. And thank you very much.
Hope you come next month. Next month we'll be here on a Monday, May 20th. Thank you very much. Woo!